Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Y'all, the devil fought me so hard on this message, I can't even tell you how hard he fought me. And it's about when God is trying to move you. There are certain messages the Lord has been putting really strongly on my heart the last week or two, and I've been working just day and night trying to get these out to you. So this is one of them. How to know when it's time to go is what the first video was called that I did on this. But this is called, um, Is God Trying to Move You? Eight Ways to Know When It's Time to Go. So... Is the Lord trying to move you? Are you one of the people that's getting this feeling that I think I'm supposed to go somewhere else? Um, And how do you know when he's trying to move you? Y'all know I've been through this before. We won't go into all that on this video, but um, he's moved me a number of times. And I told him recently, I said, Lord, I want to be retired from moving around. Let somebody else do all the moving around now. I'm old and I want to be in one place. I just don't want to move anymore. I'm so tired of moving. So... Why would God try to move you? Why would he want to move you? Moving can be physical, a physical move from, y'all please forgive my voice, a physical move from one physical area, one geographical area to another geographical area. It could be the next town, could be another state, could be four states away. A move can also be out of a job. He may be trying to move you to a different job for various reasons. It could even be a move out of a relationship, okay? He could be trying to move you to answer a call that he has on your life. Okay. Um, It could be he has more for you someplace else than what you have now. It could be to protect you um, from something or someone present or coming in the future where you are. And that is a very high possibility in our world today, is it not? Okay. Um... I do think there are a lot of believers right now that are entering into a season of a lot of change in preparation for the end of the end. We're in the end of the end times. Nobody knows exactly when the end is coming. Jesus said himself, nobody knows the day or the hour. I don't think we even know the month and the year. So we just got to be ready all the time like the wise virgins, okay? If you are entering a season of much change, You are the only person who's going to know that, okay? Nobody else can really look at you and go, yeah, I think you're, no, you will know because you know how much change is normal in your life. For example, let's say, what if you lose your job and you're going to have to move and you're not planning on that? It just happened very suddenly without any warning. Um, Y'all know I wrote a book called The Wilderness Companion. For those of you who don't know, my new listeners on WINB, it's available on Amazon.com. Very often trips into the wilderness, which is a spiritual wilderness, begin with sudden changes you're not expecting and often with several at once, which is what makes them kind of freaky. And you don't see them coming. And all of a sudden you're getting hit from all sides and you can find yourself in positions you never dreamed you would be in. In the wilderness of 2009, which y'all have heard me talk about so many times, I faced the possibility of homelessness. Now, to me, that's not even a remote possibility because I've been working full-time since I was like 15 years old. But I started working when I was 12. So I always was willing to work however much I had to work or however many jobs it took 
to make sure all the bills were paid and all that. So that didn't even seem like a possibility to me. And then when I was facing that in that wilderness, that to me was terrifying. It put me on my knees quick. I'm not even kidding you. And I've got no shame in saying that whatsoever. And that was exactly where God wanted me, wasn't it? These sudden changes that come at times like this in seasons of great change or when it's leading you into a wilderness will most often be situations that are beyond your control that you had nothing to do with. They just happen. I want to talk for a minute about what it feels like to be in the center of God's will, to be where he puts you, and you know for sure you're where he puts you. I was in Princeton for a total of eight years. Um, after the Lord took me there. And when he took me to Princeton in early 2009 was when I first entered that 2009-2010 wilderness. And even though problems come and go when you're in the wilderness and they come and go, even when you're in God's perfect will, they don't devastate you so much when you're in his will. Because even with everything I went through in that wilderness, I had peace. And I don't mean just peace. I mean I had the peace that don't even make any sense in your situation kind of peace. That's the God, That's the peace that passes under all understanding that only God can give to you. And it is very, very helpful to have that when you're in a rough spot. Can I just tell you that? So when God told me he wanted me to go to Princeton, he literally told me. And we're going to talk about the different ways that he lets you know. Uh, probably in the second video in this series, the second podcast. We're going to talk about the eight ways that he can let you know Hey, I'm trying to move you because there are certain things that he will do trying to get your attention. And then if you, he can't get your attention, then there's certain other things that he will do to go, Hey, you know, when he's shaking you like, Hey, come on. Everything in your life is so much easier if you can hear him speak. But he showed me years ago, the reason most people cannot hear him speak is because they're too busy. They have too many things filling up their lives and too many activities and too many people and too many everything. And there's too much noise in your life and there's too much noise in your head when that's going on. Um, most of you know I spend a lot of time alone. That's not always because I want to be alone because it can be really lonely. It is because if I'm not quiet, I can't hear him. And if I can't hear him, I can't do the job that he called me to do for y'all. Okay, so I was in Woodward, Oklahoma, doing a job. And me and my whole crew had just been told we had a good, solid two years' work out ahead of us on that prospect. And I liked it there. I liked Woodward. It had all the basic things I needed. And I was comfortable there. I rented a house. I wasn't staying in a motel. And I was a manager on that job. I didn't want to be on the motel where people could bang on my door all night. So I was very glad for that. And... <laughs> one day, I think it was less than a week later, the Lord spoke to me when I was driving and he said, your job is about to end. And I was like, okay. And I was like, all righty then. And I immediately slammed the brakes on all recreational spending. Anything that I didn't have to spend, I stopped. I cut back on everything. And I just started putting money away because I had been in the oil field before. And I know when it goes, it goes. When it's booming, it's great, but when it shuts down, it shuts down overnight. The oil price drops and everybody goes, oh, we changed our mind. We're not doing that job. That's literally what happens. And a bustling oil-filled town turns into a ghost town overnight. I've seen this again and again. It's a freaky thing to watch. So about 30 days later, 
the big boss called me up and he said, get everybody together. Cause I was over a crew of, of landmen in that, on that job. And he said, get everybody together at so-and-so steakhouse tomorrow at noon for a meeting. I have an announcement to make. And I said, okay. And I put the, the notice out. I knew in my heart because of what the Lord had told me that the job was anybody. I didn't say anything to my crew because that wasn't for me to say. The only person I told was my niece, Angie. I trained her. And I think by that time, she was a crew boss on over another crew, if I remember right. But she knew me well, and she knew that I heard God. And I didn't sound like a, you know, some kind of a crazy person telling her that, hey, God, tell me this is fixing a, you know. So I told her, even though I didn't tell my crew that the job was ending, I tried really hard to dissuade all the new people from going out and just blowing and going, which is what everybody did that came into the oil business, if they had never made that much money before is they would go, let's go spend it all. And they would, and they'd rack up a bunch of debt and, you know, and because that's just human nature to have fun. So I did try to tell them that judging by what happened next, I don't think they listened. So we met and the announcement was made that the oil had cycled down and our prospect had been canceled. The client had canceled the job. And I watched the faces of the new people that were just coming into the industry then and the ones that I had tried to warn. And I saw their absolute shock and I felt so sorry for them because a lot of them had gone out and they had bought vehicles, you know, they had bought this and that and whatever. And because they thought they were going to be rolling and some had even gone further than that and bought like big RVs and, you know, all kind, I mean, I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars in debt. They had leased fancy houses in the city and all kind of stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I did try to warn them. Because I was the title manager over the crew on that job, I was kept on for some weeks after the job ended to tidy up loose ends and get everybody's files and turn them into the Oklahoma City office and all that. That week, Woodward went from being a busy, bustling oilfield town to being a ghost town. And it felt like it happened overnight. Of course, I was really busy. I stayed in the house I rented because I was waiting for God to say, "Where you know, I was like, where are we going? And finally, one morning I was having coffee with him and he spoke to me. And I think that I want to say that was in January. The job ended in September or October. And he said, I want you to start a fast and I want you to start packing because I'm moving you. I'm like, okay, I didn't ask him where. What you will find with the Lord when you can learn to hear him speak, if you have never heard him speak before, he speaks very quietly and he speaks here in your spirit, is you can ask him questions, but he's only going to tell you the part he wants you to know because anything he tells you, Satan also hears. And then Satan sets traps to make everything fail. So God will only give you the most minute details, but it's for your own good. A month later, I'm cleaning out a storage stall that I had rented, filled up with all my stuff, and... We were getting the stuff out. My son was staying with me by then because the Lord had spoke to me and said, call him and invite him to come and stay with you. Well, I had an extra bedroom in the house. There's plenty of room. So I did. And he said, sure, because he was rooming with a friend up at Oklahoma City, renting a room from him. And so I had been packing and packing, and we had everything. I gave away two-thirds of everything I owned in that move. I remember seeing the stuff and just going, okay, well, I'm going to obey no matter what. I, I gave away two-thirds of it. I remember moving into that little tiny house in Princeton and going, I don't have any furniture. And going around and uh, looking at garage sales and stuff people had for sale in their yards and stuff, trying to find stuff really cheap because I only had a little bit of savings. And 
you know, there wasn't any money coming in, so no real money. So anyway, we were going to have the U-Haul loaded up that night, and we did. It was 9.30 after it was loaded up, and then by son did a walk around to check all the lights, and when he came and told me one of the taillights didn't work on the U-Haul, I literally put my head down on the steering wheel and started crying because I was so exhausted, and I never moved at night. I could still see to drive at night then. I can't now. Like, okay. So we loaded up. <laughs> we were finally, oh, that was that was so tiring. And I had prayed that morning. I said, Lord, we're going to be done loading today. I don't know where I'm going. Can you tell me at least which direction to point the truck in so I know, you know, which way we're rolling so we don't have to, like, double back? And he showed me a sign flashing that said Texas. And I'm like, okay, we'll go to Texas. On the way on that trip, this is like Genesis 12:1, where God spoke to Abraham and said, I want you to leave your country and leave your father's house and go where I'm going to tell you. Like, pack up. I'll tell you on the way where you're going. It's just like that. And I call it water walking. God tells you to step out of the boat and the boat's where you're comfortable and you step out and it's a freaky feeling when you step out on waves because you're stepping on something that's not made for walking and yet it holds you up and you walk on it. But then it produces such a miraculous testimony that glorifies God, y'all. So, and you know, God didn't say put all your stuff in storage. You know, I'm fixing to move you. Or I would have done that. But he didn't say to do that. And what I have learned along the way is the higher you want to go with God on the narrow path, the more stuff you got to lay down. Because you cannot carry a heavy load when you're going through a really narrow opening. But the other thing I've learned is anything you give up, he will give you back better than what you had. And he will give it to you miraculously. And sometimes he wants you to, and I am talking to somebody, the Lord said, this is a word for you, sir. He's been speaking to your heart about moving. And you're concerned about all the stuff you will have to lay down in order to do that. He says to tell you, I want to give you better. Just let go. I want to give you better than what you have. You don't have to hold on and you don't have to be afraid. Okay. So... You know, he said, pack your stuff, we're moving. He didn't say, rent a storage, and there was no way. I, I can't drive a U-Haul truck. I don't. <laughs> the one time I tried, it had a really bad result. I took out the fence beside the gate at the storage place and had to pay for it. So we don't put me behind the, the wheel of any U-Haul truck. I can pull a trailer real good, but I can't drive a truck. And so I knew that all I could do was pull a U-Haul trailer behind my pickup. So I had to get everything into one U-Haul trailer that was the size I know how to pull. I don't pull the big, long 20-footers because I would take out half of the people on the highway probably if I did. So you just obey whatever he said. Don't add to it. Don't take from it. Just obey what he said. It's very important to do that because you'll mess up his plan if you don't. I had peace when I was leaving Woodward, even in spite of everything that popped up and everything that was going on. It was... In the pretty much the beginning, I guess that was the beginning of the Great Recession. I didn't actually know when it started because I was working in the oil and gas field and I didn't notice a recession. I was working all the time and going to see my mom on weekends. So I didn't know there was a recession. But I remember when he, you know, told me, pack up, you're moving. I remember telling certain people on the phone that God told me to pack up and go. And they thought I'd lost my mind. There, you know, there I was fixing to jump off the cliff, and I had the faith to jump off the cliff, but they didn't have any faith for that. When God calls you to do that, it's not a conference call. You're the only one who's going to have the faith for it. 
Other people are not going to understand. You're going to have to be okay with that. And there are people that will just start backing up from you like, okay, you know, because they just think you're a wee nut. You know, they just, they do. They can't help it. And, and I agree, it looks crazy. I had a place to live. I was comfortable, but I didn't have a job. I did have a job offer at one point. Um, actually, I think it was still when I was still working. I got offered a job in newspaper work, writing, because I love to do journalism. I love journalism. But I had a job, so I didn't take that. <laughs> so, so here comes all Job's friends to shout doubt at you, you know. And all we knew is we were headed for Texas. And I had no job. And I don't remember if I had filed for unemployment at that point or not. Maybe. If the work had ended, I must have filed for unemployment. So I had unemployment. Which, when we got to Princeton, was only half enough to pay the bills. But this is one of the ways that God weans you off the paycheck system. And he had told me one day when I was working in the courthouse, he said, I'm retiring you from all your labors. And I'm like, hallelujah, let's do it. You know, because I was, I loved that kind of work. I loved research. In the courthouse, you pull all these books and you string out the titles, the title chain. And I loved it. I absolutely loved that kind of work. That's why I did it for so long. I did it for over 10 years. But I wanted to work for him. This is my dream job, working for God. It's, this is my dream job. You can't get better than working for the king, y'all. You just can't. It's just so nice to work for him and know that whatever's going on in the world, whatever's going on in the economy, he's got you. So everybody, everybody was like, I don't think you heard from God on that. And I'm like, I heard him. I did. I heard him. And they're like, no, I don't think you heard from him. You need to stop. You need to unpack yourself and just stay where you are. They were trying to talk me out of it. I'm serious. They were trying to talk me out. I'm like, no, I have to go. He's telling me to go. I've got to go. So on the way down the highway, then we had to stop at 2 o'clock in the morning because I could not drive any further. I was exhausted. So we stopped in Anadarko and took rooms there and got up early the next morning, got on the interstate again, and we're heading south into Texas. I said, okay, Lord, uh, where are we going? Because, you know, I've lived in a number of different places in Texas. I've lived on Galveston Island, and I've driven phew, all over half of Texas. And he showed me a map in my spirit, and he drew a circle around this one area. And I was like, that'll work, because I know that area. It was the McKinney-Princeton and all that. I was like, yay, I actually am familiar with that area. So I said, okay, we'll head to McKinney. We'll take rooms there, and then you can tell me where to go get a house. You know, so I was going to go rent a house. So we took those rooms at McKinney, which we were at for 10 days, during which I had two complete meltdowns in the room. I would get up every day, and I would get dressed, and I would go drive around through that entire area that he showed me and praying in the Spirit, and I would do this for hours. It's a wonder I'd have to put new tires on my truck. And I'd be like, is this it, Lord? Is this the town? How about this one? Well, what about this one? And I would just drive all over the place. So I prayed for a lot of towns and a lot of people in those towns that we didn't live in, but still. And he didn't answer me. I'm like, what is up with this? You sent me here. You told me to come down here. This is where you showed me. I obeyed. I gave away almost all my stuff. I don't even have any furniture now. What are you doing? Why are you not telling me where I'm going? Come on. And I was freaking out. And a couple of times, I think I know for sure once, but I think twice, I would get back to the motel room and, and I would do nothing but pray in the evenings. Pray, pray, pray. I did call my mentor then. My mentor then was Beverly Wilhoyt. And she was the only person who said, no, I think you did the right thing. I think you heard from God. And it does look crazy to other people, but that don't mean it's crazy. I'm like, okay, well, I know I heard it. 
And a couple of times I would be praying and praying and I would just fall apart and I would just sit down and weep because I was so scared and I didn't know what to do because all I could hear was cha-ching, cha-ching every day, cha-ching, two rooms, you know, $200 a day, cha-ching. And I was like, Lord, you know, that cha-ching can only go on for so long. And then U-Haul was texting me because the trailer was late. We had that chain to a light pole in the parking lot. That was late. We had nowhere to unload it. I didn't want to go rent a storage, you know, because that's more expense and I have no job. And I'm like, please do something because the money is only going to last so long and there's not a lot of money left. So so it was a lot of pressure. And of course, we had to eat while we were there. So, and we weren't going out to the restaurants. We were eating really cheap in the rooms. Those are little kitchenette rooms, but it was not fun. Thank God I did not have my dogs then because I would have been trying to take care of them too. That's a lot. So I had a couple of meltdowns, and finally, the day before, like two days before we checked out, I went back from driving around, and I knocked on my son's room, and I said, I think we're going to have to go back to Oklahoma, and we had nowhere to go back to. And I knew we had nowhere to go back to. I didn't know what to do, and I said, I think we're going to have to go back to Oklahoma. I said, I don't know where we're supposed to be. And he goes, we got nothing to go back to. He said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know where we're supposed to be. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, let me get showered, and... Uh, get dressed. I think this is maybe early the next morning. He said, let me get showered and get dressed. He said, I will go with you. We will look at every house that has a sign, every single one of them, and we will find the house. I said, okay, all right, we'll do that then. You know, one of the ways I've been asked a lot of times, how can you tell it's the Lord speaking to you and not, you know, Satan trying to set you up? Um, Satan will never tell you to fast for one thing. That turned out to be a 75-day fast of all solid food. And it's unlikely that Satan would tell you to donate two-thirds of what you own to do something for God's glory. Don't think that would happen either. So there are ways that you can tell. There's other ways, too, we're going to talk about. And put your, you would not put yourself on a fast. I don't know about y'all, but I like to eat. I'm from the South. we got good food down here. I like to eat. I like to cook, but I like to eat. And so, you know, God puts me on a fast when I need to be on one, and I do it obediently. It's not my favorite thing. I don't voluntarily give up a lot of food. So, I'm just saying. You know, it was so strange. We got into that house. When when my son went with me, and we went and looked at, there was this one little tiny house, and I'd gone past it before, and I said, the, it says the rent's like $700. It's too much. And he said, let's see. We're, he said, we said, we're going to look at all of them. We're going to go look at it. And the landlord was there working on the house that day. And that was the house that the devil tried to kill me in several times, including with a live wire on top of the house um, and a gas leak under the house and a lightning strike right outside my bedroom window. So we stopped, and the landlord was so nice. He was so nice. And he said, you know what? He said, if you want this house, he said, I'll drop it $50 a month. You know, I was like, there we go. And so I did the application real quick, and we moved in the next day during the freezing rain. I remember the rain was freezing icicles on our jeans as we were unloading. So that was interesting, but we lived there for, I lived there for four whole years. Um, my son ended up moving out because no grown man wants to live with his mommy, but I love when he lives with me because he's really helpful, but he doesn't like to live with me that much. I'm sure I'm annoying him. Anyhow, the unemployment check was only half enough to pay the bills, so there we were. 
back then I was believing God for a husband, y'all. And I would highly recommend against believing for a maid in this time for sure. It's too scary. But, you know, I thought that during that time God said something to me about my husband. So I was like, Lord, I don't want to buy furniture because I'm sure my husband has furniture. And we're going to end up having two of everything. That's how fast I thought he was going to bring it. And I had been in the walk for since 1996. And you would have thought... That was the first thing I believed for it was a mate. You would, have, you would have thought that by then I would understand that God did not move that fast. But the thing was, God didn't want me to be with a husband. He, I didn't understand that he wanted me set apart to do this work. And now I believe that that's what he wants. I'm not biblically eligible to be married, in my opinion. Somebody wrote me an email one time, I'm going to tell you all this, and said that one of the words that I put out said, the end of all things is at hand. And they had not happened, and they believed I was a false prophet. I was like, all righty then. And I said, okay, fine, but I want to call your attention to the fact that you have to remember God's timing is very different than ours. And when Jesus first started preaching, what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? Okay. And when he talked to his disciples, it sounded like the end was going to come the next day. The clock in heaven always says now, and Jesus looks at everything as if it's happening right now. Right now. Because there's no time in heaven. There is no time there. We have time here. They do not have time in heaven. So it's very different for us. We have to trust that his timing is perfect for our lives, for our moves, and for the end of everything. So, after I got into the little house that I said was too small, and it really was really small, but we were actually pretty happy living there. I was pretty happy living there. Because I had so much time with God when I was living there. I had peace. Every month God would do a miracle and bring the provision. And this was before I was in ministry. I He actually had me get out and start getting out on YouTube during that time. And then other things. But where God places you, where he wants you to be, is extremely important because his provision is tied to your location. <clears throat> when he sent Elijah to the brook Cherith, he had already commanded Elijah's provision to be at the brook Cherith. Okay, so if Elijah went over here to Tarshish or somewhere else, there's no provision there. Because why? Because he already sent the provision to the brook Cherith. And it's tied to the timing when he wants you to do something. Okay, that just scared somebody. Okay, don't panic if you're out of the timing. Just go back to God and go, okay, I'm sorry. I'm ready to do whatever you want, and God will adjust everything. But don't miss his timing in the future because it is extremely critical. And it's going to be even more critical in our time because of the time that we live in, okay? So your provision is tied to where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there. Remember that. That's really, really important. So after I got into the house, God said, I want you to start making videos for you. It was really funny because... I had this one friend down near Miami, and she and I would get on video and eat dinner together because she wasn't hanging out with me, but I was hanging out with me. We would just sit there and talk and laugh. And um, she told me when she goes, you need to make a video. I'm like, I am not putting my face out there. Do you hear me? <laughs> I said, I'm not putting my face out there into cyberspace. She goes, you need to make videos, and she wouldn't shut up. And so I said, fine, I'll pray about it. We got off the phone, off the video call, and I said, okay, Lord, this is me praying. I prayed about it. He said, I want you to start making videos. I said, what? <laughs> he had me start making videos. So I started making videos. I think that night. But he surprised me. I didn't see that one coming. I'm not much of a 
for that. I didn't even know how to operate a camcorder. I had one, but I didn't know how to operate it. It's not the same one I have now. I need to buy a new one so bad. But I have to use the ones that have the little flip-out screen so I can see where I'm at. And they have a remote control. And those aren't that easy to find. So, anyway. so in the next video, we're going to talk about how God speaks. We're going to talk about the eight ways that he speaks, or that I've seen him speak. I'm sure that is not an exhaustive list. I hope y'all could hear me when I was saying all that. I forgot to pick up the microphone. I am a space cadet. I just had oral surgery last week, and I'm still trying to recover from that, so bear with me. Um, that was on Thursday. If the Lord is leading you to move, He can confirm it through someone. Um, you can ask Him to give you a word through somebody that will confirm it. You can look at other things in your life that will tell you, and we're going to talk about those other ways that he speaks and things he speaks through on the next video, the next podcast. So anyway, I hope this has been a help to y'all, and I hope you could hear me through the whole thing. Jesus bless you. Thanks for watching. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. I hope this has inspired you to a closer walk with Christ. You can contact me by mail at my new address, jphinc, P.O. Box 854, Altus, Oklahoma. That's A-L-T-U-S, Oklahoma 73522. Or by email at wingsofprophecy at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination.